Welcome to Before Showtime with Connor Marcello. Marcello is in the building. Yes, sir. And it is time for everyone's favorite award show, Oscar the Grouchies Awards. So today we will be discussing all the major categories. We are going to pass on talking about some of the categories like uh, the short, short films. films. Yeah, short we films. We know nothing about them. I think uh, the first category I want to talk about is supporting actor. Connor, for supporting actor, we have Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, and then the last two are Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inisherin well and Kei Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So, Connor, who would you pick? It's too easy, honestly. Yeah. K-Hoi Kwan. Yeah, I would say that's probably my pick for who I want to win, and it's also the pick that is probably going to happen He's at going the Oscars. Yeah. It's easy. I think he has the strongest career narrative out of any of these because it's a comeback role. It's his first role in decades. We didn't think he would have this career pivot. When I After seeing the movie with my friends, I actually reminded them that that was short round. I mean, that's probably, out of all the storylines this year, the biggest comeback. Even bigger than Frasier's, in my opinion. Uh, just because it's been so long. At least, like, I, th- I believe Frasier was still working in the industry uh, even, like, five years ago. A bit lower key. Yeah, I don't think K.Y. Kwan has made a movie in, like, over a decade, if last no. time I checked. And plus, Waymond is the heart and soul in the movie. He's one of the most memorable characters in that. I would rather be doing laundry and taxes with him. <laughs> I just want to say this really quick. I think Mark Rylance should have been nominated. Oh, he should have been. Yeah, but Rylance was the scariest me. The scariest role of the year goes to Mark Rylance, for sure, for playing Sully and Bones and all. So moving on to supporting actress, we have... Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, who is my predicted winner. Hung Chow for The Whale, which was a surprise. Carrie Condon for Banshees of Sharon. Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Ever, We're All at Once. That was also a career narrative because this is the first like real award season film she's done. And who's the last one? Who's Stephanie Shu. Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere, All that at Once. That was, as far as I can tell, a SAG save. Yeah, out of all of the actresses, I think that was my biggest surprise, along with Jamie Lee Curtis. I think they were going to nominate one of them, but I didn't know which one. Yeah, I really thought they would end up just nominating Jamie Lee Curtis, and I was like, no, nominate Stephanie Hsu, please. Because she's, not to throw Jamie Lee Curtis's role in this film under the bus, but Stephanie Hsu's doing so much more. Honestly, if I were to um, redo it, I think I would put Jesse Buckley in for Women Talking instead of Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. It was so weird that all the Women Talking women were absent from any of these categories. I think they just didn't know what to do with any of them. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't quite understand it, to be honest, because... Jesse Buckley has a lot more to do than Jamie Lee Curtis does in their respective films. But, you know, I understand that Everything Everywhere wave is is pretty strong for this Oscar race. If I were to personally pick someone to win, it would be Stephanie Hsu. Wow. You you would pick a personal pick, Stephanie Hsu? Yes. And who do you think is going to win? Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. Which is going to be historic because is the so far the only Academy Award nomination that a Marvel film has gotten for acting which is going to be a milestone regardless of how you feel about the Marvel films. Yeah, no, uh, honestly, for me, Angela Bassett has my personal pick, and obviously I think she's going to win the award. Just There's a storyline there. Um, The fact that 
everyone on that set, including her, were grieving the loss of Chadwick Boseman, and you can see it in her performance. You sometimes even wonder if that was acting. Yeah. No, I I thought she absolutely killed the role in terms of uh, just showing grief on the screen so accurately. All right. Well, we're going to move on to... Let's do animated feature. Why not? Let's change it Another up Another lock. Bit. Yeah. So first up, we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Then we got Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. My personal favorite of the nominees. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. The Sea Beast. And finally, Turning Red. The Sea Beast was a weird surprise. Yeah. I wasn't seeing it anywhere. No, I honestly thought... Um, I didn't see... Th- that was the one movie out of these I didn't end up seeing. I'm kind of surprised that Lightyear didn't get in, actually. One but you have to admit, Pixar's the first 20 memorable. minutes of that movie is pretty strong. It's, it was. It has, like, a time travel aspect that I thought was kind of touching in the first 20 minutes. And then the movie goes downhill after that. But... Yeah. I, I Pixar, stick to original ideas. Yeah, but we're both on the same page. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is both our personal picks and what's going to win at Well, the my personal pick would probably be Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Oh, because really? I, what? I cried my eyes out during it and... Marcel is so cute, and the way they filmed it was so fascinating. They shot the live-action footage first, and then they animated the stop-motion Marcel puppet later on to add into the live-action footage. So it's only partly animated, but it was still eligible to get nominated. Yeah, I actually watched uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on on an airplane with one of my friends, and I thought it was pretty good. Uh, A little bit... um... A little bit light for me. You know me. I like I like when it gets a little bit dramatic, and I thought Marcel the Shell was kind of holding back sometimes. A little sometimes. too low stakes for you. A little too low stakes, I must say. I loved it. Um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio has been surprisingly absent from every other category. I was yeah. expecting it for sure to get in score for Desplat score and Chapapa to get in for original song yeah, but that it, that was a surprise um, it was absent in every other category the next one i want to do is cinematography let's do cinematography so for the nominees for that we have uh all quiet on the western front bardo if that were a better received movie that would probably be in talks of winning that's the one i i i, I want to catch actually that's, and in all honesty that would probably be the one i'd pick this is in every sense of the term, an Inuritu movie, visually. Yeah. Even I, I, I was scrolling through Netflix once, and there was this scene of just the characters at a supermarket, and it was even filmed like an Inuritu movie with wide-angle lenses and a long extended take and a wide shot. And I was like, this is some Lubeski-level shit. Yeah. No, I I read an article that actually kind of explained how the movie is a super personal movie for Inuritu because he suffered a... Uh, basically, him and his wife had a second child that, after the birth, passed away instantly. So the opening of Bardo is actually dealing with that um, personal tragedy of his. So I'm really interested to see that one. Yeah, the, that the, film... That film got very negative reactions when it came out at Venice, and I got a feeling people are finally getting tired of him. 
I've heard it's very experimental, the film, where there's actually no thorough plot line and it's a, it's a bunch of dream sequences. That's probably why it's not uh, favoring well with critics, to be honest. So the other three cinematography nominations are Elvis. Did they think, like, the spinning camera was, like, when it was spiraling down was good cinematography? I thought that was flashiness over substance. Yeah, just like the whole movie. Yeah. I don't and- really get why that got in. Yeah, and the the last two are going to be Tar and Empire of Light. Tar is very well-deserved. Empire of Light, that's the obligatory Deacon's nomination that they're not going to give it to him for. And from what I hear and from what I've seen of the film, that is not some of his best work. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen Empire of, of Light, so I can't say. I looked at some clips of it. I looked kind of flat. Yeah, probably my personal pick from the... Because I haven't seen some of these movies. I do want to see All Quiet on the Western Front. I would have picked either All Quiet on the Western Front or Bardo. Bardo. Yeah, it seems like you're leaning towards Bardo. But what's absent from here? Top Gun Maverick, question mark. I I wonder why they, they didn't do it. I think they were maybe a little afraid of nominating an action movie possibly i don't know they still nominated it for other baffling things probably my personal pick out of the movies i've watched here is tar but what i think will actually win with tar the way that top field shot it with those long takes and those very wide shots it did not feel like an american movie at all no. really it it did it did kind of give me a little bit of kubrick uh influence though i must say the compositions in that movie were very similar to, to things I've seen Kubrick do. But yeah, I think what's actually going to win... Ooh, this is Probably tough. All Quiet all is going to be my prediction because it's getting in pretty much all the techs except for editing. BAFTA jury completely saved that movie mm-hmm. because it wasn't getting in in a lot of places. Yeah, I... I'm going to predict Bardo for this. I'm going to put my money on Bardo because... I, I, I'm predicting All Quiet because it's now been confirmed to be such a big awards contender at this point. True, true. Yeah, not a bad pick. All right, let's do... You want to do costume design? You want to yeah, get sure. that out of the way? So for... I'm just going to list all five and then we, we talk about it after. Does that sound good? Yeah. So for the nominees for costume design, we have Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever... Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I'm predicting either Babylon or Black Panther Wakanda Forever to win because the first Black Panther won in this category. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly going to just say Babylon for both my personal pick and what I think is actually going to win. I'm just going to go for it. Personal pick for me is Everything Everywhere because first of all, I love the movie. And second of all, look at what they did with Stephanie Shu's costumes in that. When those were very when she became yeah. Jobu Tupaki with the with the bagel hairdo and the flashy dress. Very that, flashy. That's already becoming a TikTok trend. People are already like dressing like that character. And... Yeah, the the costumes in that movie seemed very anime inspired as well. Like with the kind of designs they were going for, it almost looked like they were going for like a drawing design for the costume. It was very interesting. And each character kind of had their own distinct wardrobe where you could like tell them easily apart. And the costume said a lot about who they were because J.B. Lee Curtis as the as Deidre, the tax lady with the orange sweater and the, the pot belly. I have to say, though, I think Babylon, 
uh, got the 1930s costume down to like a 1920s. 1920s, my bad. 19, yeah, like that Margot Robbie red dress is going to be iconic, and it kind of already is, I think. Among the people who saw the movie because it bombed. Yeah. Well, you what, you saw the movie, Connor. What did you think of the costume designs in Babylon? I thought it was very nice. I knew that it would get nominated as soon as I saw like a single frame of it. Anyway, the next one, the next category, let's do film editing. So for the five film editing nominees, we have The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Good choice. Subtle editing. Elvis. Which is one of the worst edited movies I've ever seen. Why is it nominated? <laughs> I'm just like, calm the hell down. This this film movie. editing nomination for Elvis sort of reminds me of the nomination they gave for Bohemian Rhapsody. Which won for some damn reason. Well, and that had even worse editing. Well, we need to talk about it because Elvis might be a threat to win here. Surprisingly. I hope not. I really hope not because yeah. it really goes to show that the industry prefers the much flashier editing over the much more skillful editing. Yeah, I, I really hope that doesn't happen. For the for the last three nominations for this category, we have Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, and then finally Everything Everywhere All at Once. Everything Everywhere All at Once would be my personal pick to win because of how innovative the editing in that film was with how it transitioned between multiverses. And it was very cutty, but... You can understand that exact decision. It didn't feel like it was trying to give you whiplash in a way that was unintended. Yeah, I think out of all of these, that was definitely the hardest movie to edit. Just because it's it's just jumping back and forth so often. So much of the action in that film relies on the editing. Because for me, the most impressive scene in that is when it's right before... Uh, Michelle Yeoh turns into the rock and we see just a couple frames of each different multiverse and it goes almost like a frame by frame. Yeah. Wait, are you talking about the part where it like it's it's on her face? And yes. It, yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. And fun fact, one of the frames in that is a real frame of the visual effects artist working on the movie with her in front of the blue, green screen. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yep. My my personal pick for this one, I'm gonna say Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I hope that doesn't win. I I thought the I thought it was really really well paced. I feel like that movie. But Did it ever I drag? Did that movie drag for you? No, it didn't. But the thing is, I I feel like it's gonna be a Ford v Ferrari winning over Parasite situation. That's my predicted winner. So oh, and you're predicting Top Gun Maverick to win? Yeah, because. You know, it's basically the better, more skillfully edited movie losing to a racing movie with a lot of editing, losing to an action picture that's obviously not going to be studied years from now for its editing. Parasite's already getting studied for its editing, and I think Everything Everywhere also will be studied for its editing. Top Gun won't. The the 4v Ferrari win is, com- is kind of leaning me towards they might give it a Top Gun Maverick, but I actually am going to predict they're going to give it to Elvis. Uh, the Academy. But I'm just thinking about the Bohemian Rhapsody win not that long ago, and also I feel like the mm. Academy likes Elvis more of a more than Bohemian Rhapsody. Look at the amount of nominations, bro. How many did it get? Eight, eight nominations. Let me. See. I think Bohemian Rhapsody might have gotten more nominations if memory serves. Interesting. Yeah. Well, but I, but yeah. Banshees and Tar are ones I'm glad to show up in there because that's subtle editing and that's often 
often tends to be the more skillful, like less noticeable editing. Like oftentimes in a film, it's it, at least in the case of those films, it's better to not notice the editing. Yeah, no, Banshees. I was surprised it got on this list to be honest because it was so subtle. But I'm I'm glad the Academy recognizes that. And I'm too. glad it did too. With Tar, especially that was. The average shot length of that film is pretty long. You have to admit the pacing of that movie is methodically slow. And, you know, it's going to affect how many people watch the movie later on down the line. Yeah, mainstream audiences would definitely prefer everything everywhere. Yeah. So for the next category, I want to do international feature film. So for the five nominees, we have All Quiet on the Western Front. We have Argentina 1985. From Argentina, which won the Golden Globe. I... Doubt that will translate to Oscar, though. We have Close from Belgium. And the last two we have are... Our decision to leave. No, it's not. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But the last two we have are EO from Poland and The Quiet Girl from Ireland, which those two I have not seen or even heard of. Um, I didn't see Decision to Leave, but I was surprised to not see it on this I list. was not, though, because I actually early on predicted when that movie was coming out and getting acclaim at Khan. I was like, Park Chan-wook, as great of a director, as great of an auteur director as he is, he has not gotten a single Academy Award nomination for his films. Not even for Old Boy, which everyone that I've talked to that not likes Not even for movies. The Handmaiden. Yeah. Korea didn't even submit that, but they still could have nominated it. So if you've you've seen Decision to Leave, right? I think the Academy just doesn't like him. I don't know who he pissed off. I don't what, know if it's political or what it is. Would you have replaced one of these films with Decision to Leave? I probably would have replaced EO, EO with Decision to Leave. Yeah, I think something also to know about the Decision to Leave uh, snub. Because uh, Korea submitted it, unlike with other Park Chan-wook films. And... I think he won the con for best director, right? He won he he won the best director at con. Yeah, that film was a big hit at the con film festival and for some reason that did not translate to the Oscar. Next category which I'm I'm interested to see what you say for this one Connor is going to be makeup and hairstyling. The also known as the year of the fat suit. Well, okay, let me let me list them let me list them all first. Ready? We've got All Quiet on the Western Front again. And then we got The Batman. Because of Oz. We got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We got Elvis. And then finally, The Whale. You're going to hate me for this, but my pick is The Whale. It looked hyper-realistic, though. And that's what I'm like... That could have went horribly wrong for me visually, and it didn't. When he was showering and... You know, doing other his daily tasks and trying kinda... to make it look as grotesque as possible and well, as exploitative as possible. If if the guy is overeating himself to death, are you gonna sugarcoat it? Or are you gonna show what it is? Yeah. Um. um I think what's that's actually my gonna win. Winner. That's my predicted winner. Yeah. For this category, I think so. My too. personal pick would probably be either Batman or All Quiet because I prefer those movies, and also I really hope that fat phobia does not continue in the media. Yeah, I can't, I can't deny that um, it's definitely exaggerated, the movie, but I, I, I'm I going to keep with it. I think it was it was done, like, with taste. I think you're thinking it's distasteful. I thought Darren Aronofsky directed The Whale with a little sensitivity that you're not giving him credit for. Guess what isn't on here? Guess what didn't even get on the short list? Which one? E-E-A-A-O. <laughs> Jobu Tupaki. That's makeup. <laughs> That's makeup. Elvis and the Whale are fat suits. 
Elvis makeup is, and yeah. fat suit. It's makeup versus fat suits here. All right. The next category we have is music, best original score. So we have All Quiet on the Western Front again. Oh, my God. This movie is, is getting some love. I, I, I told you. We got Babylon. We have The Banshees of Inisherin. A surprise choice. Everything, everywhere, all at once, and finally the Fableman. So, which is going to be a strong career narrative because it's going to be John Williams's last collaboration with Spielberg. So, speaking on that, who do you think is going to win then? I think it's going to go to Babylon. I think so too. Because li- just listen to a section of that score, and you will see why it is infectious. Babylon for me is it's, my personal it's pick. Kind as well. of an iconic score, like film Instagram and film TikTok pages are already constantly using that score for their like year end review videos. Guess what's absent from here? What's absent? Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah, you're correct. And I that think... was a great score from Desplat. Yeah, so I mean, I haven't, um, I haven't seen All Quiet. Should that have? Should Pinocchio have taken that spot? You think? I think so. Yeah. Even though I loved All Quiet, but I think that score sometimes felt a bit too blockbuster-ish. Oh, really? For the movie because it was going all yeah during some of the battle scenes, and it tried to sound like a big like hum zimmer sounding score and i didn't think it was completely necessary for a lot of the film since we're on the topic of uh, music i want to do the best original song category which the nominees are the obligatory diane warren nomination that she's not gonna win so so why don't for you a movie that nobody saw why don't you list why don't you list the nominees for this category connor applause from tell it like a woman a film nobody saw by diane warren i mean yeah, I don't even know. That I mean, movie. she could she could scream into a mic and she gets nominated and doesn't win. Um, Hold my hand from Top Gun Maverick by Lady Gaga. Lift me up from Black Panther: Wakanda Forever by Rihanna. Her first work in years. Let's go. Career narrative there. Let's go. Rihanna. And my personal pick and predicted winner in this category: Natu Natu from RRR, which is a film that otherwise got completely goose egged. This is the only nomination it got, which was a surprise. Yeah, because it was no, one of the most watched and one of the most critically acclaimed films this year. We also didn't talk about that in the international film category. India didn't submit it. Oh, why? I don't know. They just forgot, maybe. They forgot the deadline. It happens. I've done it before. And, and the surprise nomination, which is a worthy nomination, is This Is A Life From Everything Ever All At Once by Sun Lux, David Byrne, and Mitski. Mitski. So... What is your personal pick and what is your Oscar Personal win? pick and Oscar prediction for both, it's Not Do Not Do from RRR. Because wow. watch that movie and watch that scene where these two revolutionaries are dancing with their suspenders at this ball. It's so much fun to watch. And the dance scene was like almost all like choreographed for real. And the song is just so catchy and so infectious. It's just... This and the Mitski song, This Is A Life From Everything Everywhere, those are the only two songs, if I had to be honest, that I would listen to outside of the films. Like, those are on my playlist. Those I actually listen to. Whereas, like, the rest of them, those are end credit songs. Yeah, I think for me, my personal pick, just because I've actually heard the song, is Lift Me Up by Rihanna. I have not heard Not To Not To, but I have to say... I think you're correct. Natu Natu is going to get the, yeah. the win on although, this. Although Lift Me Up is kind of a threat because it's Rihanna and you have a career narrative there. Absolutely. But I like you said, uh, Jai Ho, right, in 2008 won for Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, and that was more than just an end credit song. And that was one of the 
in all honesty, better songs that actually won the Oscar that year. Because traditionally, this I'll admit, this tends to be a weak category. Pretty terrible songs tend to get nominated. Yeah, I think Chow Papa from Pinocchio should have been in here. I'm not sh- Maybe take I out applause. Pick, I, I haven't heard of that. The, the song that Geppetto does early on, that my son, my son <laughs> song he does. Yeah, I don't know. I think Chow Papa, though, is like the more iconic one. Yeah. That you walk away from the film. I probably would have... Uh, put it over applause, but to be fair, I have not listened to applause. So, for the next category, do you do you want to do production design? Yep. Do you want to list the nominees for us? All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, The Fablemans. Ooh, okay. I think for my personal pick, I'm gonna go Babylon again, dude. I I thought the production design was really good. It movie. was. Because they actually recreated some of the 1920s film sets and the the party scene in the beginning party. was so elaborately done, but I thought it was amazing to look at. I wonder though if they if the Academy thought it was too similar to Boogie Nights because it's definitely inspired by Boogie Nights' cinematography yeah, and somehow even flashier. Yeah, for real, way flashier. You know what I think got snubbed in this category though is two movies. There's no the Batman, and there's no the Batman in score, which was. A shocker because it's already an iconic score. Yeah, also, too, uh, the score for The Batman is done by Michael Giacchino, who did the score for Up, which everyone knows is iconic. So, And he just directed a film, Werewolf by Night, for Marvel. Yeah, so no, he's he, pivoting. He's pivoting now. Yeah. Um, and Except I also, I also, I wanted to see The Northman here, honestly. I thought that was great production design in that movie. What's your personal pick? Your personal pick was Babylon. What's your predicted winner? Oh, my predicted winner. My bad. For... I don't think Babylon's going to win it. Unfortunately, I do think Elvis might get the double. I on here. think it's my predicted winner is actually Babylon. Really? I, I think Elvis, it's going to get its love in this category. Because they actually recreated all the concert set pieces. Yeah. Let's do sound. Do you want to do sound? Yep. You, you can list the nominees for us. All Quiet on the Western Front. Obvious choice. It's a war film. Lots of battles and explosions. Avatar The Way of Water, which. Again, lots of battles, lots of explosions. And they also did some pretty impressive sound design with the actual underwater world. The Batman, which is honestly some of the better sound design that year. Um, Elvis. Why is this on here so many times? I don't know. I don't know. What's the last one? Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. Which potentially could win. Yeah, I understand that pick. I think for me, my personal pick... Honestly, is the Batman. I thought when the Batmobile was getting uh, turned on and and it was it kind of crescendoed louder and louder. I thought it was the best sounding Batmobile put on film. Yeah, so personal far. personal pick the Batman. Predicted winner either Top Gun or All Quiet on the Western Front. I think they're gonna give it a Top Gun. Here. Yeah, same. Guess what other movie isn't here? This goes to show how much the tech branches actually cared about this movie. Is it everything everywhere all at once yes, again? Yes, and that had some great sound design in it too because they, it was, I guess it was too goofy and too chaotic for the sound branch because there's, there were like literally cartoon sounds yeah. when, what's when that, what's that, what's stuff. that sound they did? Like, you, you, you remember? When Michelle Yeoh starts attacking people with her pinky, it's a sound from Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't think the academy liked that though. No, <laughs> they were probably yeah. like, "Wait, this is a video game sound effect." What the Next. fuck? But I, I think Top branch. Gun's gonna win it because I think it might be the only one of the only awards they can give it to. To be honest, 
I don't probably. Yeah, because they didn't be even nominate it. They didn't even nominate it for cinematography, which is like yeah, that blasphemy. was baffling. All right, okay, this is a big category. You ready? You can you can list Special the nominees. Facts. All Quiet on the Western Front, a very well-deserved pick. Very good blend of CG and practical effects. They did, from what I understand, digital compositing for the just massive shots of the soldiers walking into the trenches. And it looks, every moment of that film looks so convincing. Do you know if they, like, um, like shot on location or did they use a little bit of green screen? I think they did a bit of both. Oh, okay. From what I recall. Avatar The Way of Water, which... That's going to win. Yeah. Per, per, personal pick and predicted winner. Same. Personal pick and predicted winner what for me as well. What that movie did for visual effects was... Well, I'll admit, like, regardless of your feelings on Avatar, let's face it, the visuals in that film were staggering to look at. The best underwater movie of all time, probably Avatar Way of Water, just probably. for aesthetic purposes. And the Batman. The Batman. Let's go. I the, like that. They respect for a large chunk of this film. They used virtual sets where they projected the footage onto the screens to make it look like they were actually in that environment. And that's starting to become a new trend in visual effects. That's probably why they nominated it. Other than the fact that there, there was also some really good stuff in there with the Batmobile and oh, remember, that was... remember that part too when he he has to fly for a little bit, like or he's more yes. gliding, I guess. He's he's like yeah, it looked really really good, and the camera is getting plopped onto his head too. And that's another film that had a very good balance of CG and practical effects. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which doesn't really deserve to be on here. I'll admit some of the CG in that movie when Shuri's in the Black Panther suit and jumping around look kind of wonky. Also, remember when she follows uh, the antagonist in that movie in that robot Namor. suit? Yeah, she follows Namor in the robot suit to go underwater. It didn't look good, dude. That just straight up looked bad. Yeah. And then yeah. Ironheart, did Ironheart look good to you? Like, I didn't think it did. He it looked, looked kind of transformery to me. He looked fine, but like this is stuff we've seen before. And Top Gun Maverick. That honestly was a little bit surprising to me because... because it was mostly practical effects and they put the camera in the plane. Yep. You know, I'm going to admit this. That was this. really, really impressive. Like, yeah, it, it was impressive, it. but I, it was more practical, which is why I'm surprised they were like nominating it. But although from what I recall, there were some visual effects there. Like I did. There were a couple of like explosions and firing scenes where they I think they did add some stuff digitally true but when, it was mostly practical and well, gotta respect tom cruise for doing that when they were doing the the sequence where they're training and they're going into the canyons that looked really sick and that i'm pretty sure incredible. yeah guess what isn't on here hey i even i have to admit that was a big snub that was a huge snub everything yeah. everywhere all at once definitely should have been nominated the in this fact, category first of all it's a great narrative because only a few people worked on this movie remotely and it still looked really, really unique and impressive. And honestly, the visual effects in that movie, just admit it, they look good. I think... They were impressive, for, we, especially for the budget. We, we talked about this last week, though. I don't think they liked certain things. Like, the Rakakui, I think, turned them off, to oh, be honest. Oh, come on, that was hilarious. It was awesome, but I don't think older voters are into that, to be honest. And plus, this is the visual effects branch, and they obviously weren't going to be impressed by something that only five people worked on and not a hundreds of underpaid visual effects artists. Wouldn't in you the think, though, that's industry. more impressive if there's less people working on it? And they, it is and more it, impressive. And it looked and honestly, that good. 
And honestly, they do much more unique stuff that we haven't seen before in a mainstream like blockbuster film than most of these. Yeah, I would I would it's, have taken it's some real it's it's really just gatekeeping on yeah. the Academy branches part. I I would have replaced it with Wakanda Forever. We take that out. We put everything everywhere. Guess what else isn't on here? Which one? Did they nominate this film? Nope. Oh yeah. Wait. That obviously wait, probably wasn't gonna happen. Wait, I'm kind of mad. I'm like kind of mad because they nope didn't get a single nomination. No, this whole... not even cinematography. Not even that. It it came out too early. The disrespect. Dude. It came out too early the in the disrespect. year. Disrespect. It was a summer movie. The cininematographer is Hoyt, a... Hoyt, right? It's Hoyt Van Hoyma, Christopher Nolan cinematographer, and he shot a large chunk of the film in IMAX. Nope was it, probably the movie that got the most snubbed out of all movies this year, I think. This isn't to leave was probably the most surprising. But Nope like had visual effects that should have got nominated. Like they they did Gordy mocap. Yeah. And look at how they did Jean Jacket. Holy shit. Jean Jacket looked sick. You do you think that movie was uh commenting on Hollywood and it like pissed people off? Probably. Yeah, because not a single nomination is blasphemous, honestly. That's, like, one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. I don't know why they didn't respect that movie at all. Yeah, they did the same thing with us. They they do the same thing with most very good horror films that come out each year. I didn't even think Nope was, like, that much of a horror movie, in my opinion. Like, yeah, it, was, it got labeled that way. Yeah, I don't know. Um, We're going to do uh, writing Best Adapted Screenplay. Let's do that one. Uh, the nominees are... All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living. Haven't seen it. Top Gun Maverick. You know what I am happy about, though? The last nominee that I didn't mention till now is Women Talking getting it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Women Talking is going to be my uh, personal pick to win and predicted winner. That is going to be that film's only Academy Award. I, I, I'm going to go the same. I, I think that was the best screenplay out of all of these the that I've seen here. The strongest screenplay. Yeah. With, although, honorable mention to All Quiet because some scenes of that were just incredibly touching. Although, a part of me, a part of me is thinking that's also more of a director's picture. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it. I really need to go see it. But Women Get Talking, the the script is, is unique, too, because the way they talk is not, like, normal English, per se, because they're a uh, Meta Knight society. I don't think uh, I don't think they really speak the same way. It was great. But guess what got snubbed here that I Which thought one? was going to? Which one? Get in. She said. Oh, I haven't seen She Said. It was I a good script. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a, a pretty good script. And I'm... and. It, very important subject matter, but I think that that I think that Academy members probably skipped out on that one. Do you think it was a little bit too by the numbers, the script, possibly, and that's why they didn't Maybe, nominate it? Maybe, and also the the heavy subject matter. Because I because I, I, I have heard I things about that movie people. being like trying to do what Spotlight did, and it's like, dude, you're not Spotlight. Yeah. Now we're going to original. Original. Do you want to list the nominees, Connor? Yep. Banshees of Inisherin. Let's go. Thank you, Colin Farrell's wife, for being his Let's banshee. Go. Let's go. I don't want to be your friend no more. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Um, everything Everywhere All at Once. The Fablemans, one of the few scripts that was actually co-written by hey, Spielberg. Honestly, a threat in this category. Tar. Honestly. honestly, if I were to pick one personal, as much as I love Everything Everywhere and Banshees. I feel like that's the strongest screenplay. Really? That's a that's a like interesting in terms take. of just like like how complex of a story it is. 
You know what I love about that screenplay too is it's not like super duper on the nose. And I guess you could argue maybe that one scene with the college student it is, but I thought it was a super subtle script. It is. The whole movie is so subtle and that's what I love about it. And Triangle of Sadness. Interesting. I think, I don't know if I would have put Triangle of Sadness in there. If they were to nominate for only one thing, it was going to be screenplay because it's also such a biting satirical movie. Like that is... Like, if you're talking, like, comedy writing, like, that's comedy writing. And that's, like, one of the... That's difficult to do. No, very it. difficult. And that was just, like, an incredibly clever and funny movie. And yeah. it was just... Um, I wouldn't be opposed to any of these winning. These are all I, These are all. I would great. be... Um, my predicted winner is either Everything Everywhere or Banshees of Sharon. Let's go. My my predicted winner and my personal pick, Banshees of Sharon. Personal pick, probably Tar, because on the strength of the screenplay alone. Predicted winner, I I, I don't know if it's going to be Banshees or Everything Everywhere. You know what my counter is to I your think tar? it's going to be Everything Everywhere because if that film is the front runner for picture, which it is, it may get screenplay. You're, you're you're not wrong. I think but it's, I think that's gonna be my predicted winner. On the topic of Tar, though, do you think the script is stronger than Kate Blanchett's performance? I think they're both pretty level. Really, I think Kate Blanchett kind of elevates that script from being like, "Oh, this is a great script," to "Wow, this is an awesome script." But yeah, Banshees of Sharon, I think it has its own uh, it has its own language in the movie, its own vernacular, which I totally love, like "fucking hell." But uh, also too. The side characters in that movie, they're like... They're memorable. They they care about them. I feel like some of these other movies, especially Triangle of Sadness, the side characters are just like thrown to the wayside, which is a which is a fault of the script. And blown up on the ship. Yeah. When they get off the boat, I was a little bit out of the movie after that. But Dolly. But Dolly. <sighs> All right. Now we're getting to the big ones. Is it the, is it the, big, is it the big ones now? We're going directing? We're going directing? Uh... Let's go directing second to last. Second to last. Which which one's next, Connor? Actor in a leading role. All right. Actor in a leading role. We have Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Anna Sharon, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and then we have Bill, Bill Nye for Living. Personal pick, Paul Mescal for After Sun. Wow. Bold take. Very bold take. He was the heart and soul of that picture. He and was I'm the so... surprise. He was the surprise Because I thought that film was going to get completely goose-egged. I thought well, that would get a 24 as I like to say, where it's like that undeniably really no. fucking good movie. I don't understand. Like, Adam Sandler doesn't get nominated for Uncut Gems, but then Paul Mescal gets it for After Sun. It's I think, so inconsistent. I think, it might be a court cor- I think it might have been a course correction. Maybe. And also a BAFTA jury save. Yeah, no, I, I, British movie. I think he well deserved this nomination because I was afraid they were going to, uh, they were gonna put somebody else in there. Do you know who? Tom Cruise. Yeah, but that I do. Paul Mescal is better than Tom Cruise. Oh, obviously, the performance He's is doing stronger. more. I, I maybe Tom Cruise is, is like more entertaining the performance, yeah. but in terms of actual depth, I think I think Paul Mescal yeah, fully probably, deserved it. Probably because of just how hard hitting that film is, I would personally pick Paul Mescal. Um, my predicted winner. I'm even having trouble with this. It's a three. It's a three way race. Really, you got to pick one, Connor. Who are you gonna pick? God damn it! You got to put money on one. Well, while you Austin Butler versus Colin Farrell versus Brian Fraser. You're you're right. Deep down, deep down in my heart, 
because people love to see him on stage and making speeches and because it's such a strong career narrative, Brendan Fraser for The Whale is Brennan, probably my predicted winner. Brendan Fraser for The Whale is and, my predicted and he, winner like, and my personal pick. Like, even if you weren't a fan of that film, like I am, like, he was so fucking good in it. And he was easily worthy of a nomination. Imagine how much better he would also be with better material. I know. I, I think I think the difficulty of his role, too, is he's kind of situated, seated most of the time. Yeah, so you really have to deliver so those lines Ill. in a way that's effective, where you're actually like, he's not able to move a lot. And you just see it in his eyes, the emotion. And plus, that role, that role and Austin Butler, like, those are such Oscar bait, too. Well, I think Frazier's is a harder role because he's he's on the fat suit, too, and he's still yeah. able to get, like, a performance out. That's hard, dude. That's really hard to not yeah. be distracted by that and to be focused on Brendan like Frazier's Like Tom emotion. Hanks was. In that oh, my God. <laughs> that's that's the... Tom I think uh, Tom Hanks uh, deserves to win the Razzie for that because I don't know he's what winning. the heck. He's winning. What was he doing in that movie, dude? It was actually a cartoon. I was watching a cartoon. Jesus. That's every Boss Lerman movie these days. You want, you want to go actress in a leading role? All right. Here we go. This is also not quite as contentious of a race, but in this case, it's like a two-way race. It's pretty... I think it's, it, I think it's competitive, dude. It is. Between the and two. I wouldn't be opposed to either winning, but here we go. Kate Blanchett for Tar. Would that be your personal pick? That would be my personal pick, and... That's my predicted winner. Okay. That's both for me. Weird surprise. Ana de Armas for Blonde. Not weird. Not weird for me. I, well, I, think... I guess because she was good in the film, but of course. I would have nominated her, personally. I thought she was The movie itself great. is interesting. <sighs> yeah. Andrea Riceborough for Two Leslie. That's the surprise. Wh- wow. Where did that come from? It happened because the director was married to Mary McCormick, a an, an actress in the industry, and they basically emailed a bunch of people to go and support the film in the industry. And as a result, Charlize Theron, Jane Fonda, Gwyneth Paltrow, like all these industry heavyweights started posting on Instagram and tweeting about the film. Wait, going, Jane, like, Jane Fonda for from t- 80 for Brady? Yes, Jane oh, Fonda God. from 80 for Brady oh, my God. said Andrea Riceboro for the Oscar, basically. But it also really speaks to a lot of elitism in the industry. Who are the last two, Connor? Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, which is kind of a divisive performance for some reason. Su- that's a supporting actress role. It is. Yeah. It's supporting. She, she's in the wrong category. She is supporting. Do you think also, like, they, like she is the main woman of The Fablemans? Do you think that accounted for them putting her in I lead? think so. And she's probably, like, the big name on the that you put on the poster. For sure. Like, I don't, uh, people probably didn't go to it because of Gabriella Bell. Yeah. I, I do have to say, though, I did like Michelle Williams in yeah. the role. I, I probably would have nominated her for supporting. A lot of pe- she probably, she would have won supporting if they campaigned. That her, was a mistake. That was a real mistake of them um, on their part. Yeah. And Michelle Yeoh for everything ever all at once. So, yeah, this is, guess who's this not, is the threat. Guess who aren't threat. here? Danielle Deadweiler for Till, snubbed. I would have put her in the place of Andre Armas or Andrew Riceborough. And Viola Davis for The Woman King, who oh, got in yeah. everywhere. Jeez. Not the Oscars. Jeez. I think I would have put Viola Davis instead of uh, Michelle Williams in here. I would have put... I definitely would put Dead Weiler, Viola Davis, and... You know another person we're forgetting about is Taylor Russell from Bones and All. I thought she was that great. That was obviously not going to happen. I thought she was excellent in that movie. Though. She was, but that wasn't going to happen. 
I feel like Deadweiler is the really big snub there. Yeah. Weren't you saying earlier this year you thought she could have won? In any other year, and if she were more well-known, she would have won easily. I think Academy members were just like, nope. They were just, just they were just like they just Jordan they peeled the they just Jordan peeled her in. They were just they were just like they were just like that movie's too heavy for me. Who is your personal pick and who is your Oscar winner prediction? Personal pick Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere. Interesting. I knew per- that though. Predicted win probably either Kate Blanchett or Michelle Yeoh. Ooh, it's you gotta, a race. You got to pick one. I really am split because one of them. The thing is, Michelle Yeoh has the strongest has the much stronger career narrative than Kate Blanchett, who has already won two. And the narrative around this performance is just that she's incredible. I think Kate Blanchett is amazing. She would probably deserve to win. I think I she's going to win. To I think she deserves it. I want her to win so badly because I I really felt like that might have been the best role I've ever seen Kate Blanchett do. Damn. And she's done a lot of great roles. She She won for The Aviator as a supporting actress. And then she also won for Blue Jasmine. I thought Lydia Tarr was way better than the Blue Jasmine character she played. Yeah, Kate Blanchett, too. Sticking out for Kate Blanchett. You listen to Marcel. Oh, yeah. No, also, too, it's a hard role because it's, you know, not a very likable character. You can argue Michelle Yeoh, like, maybe she's not super likable, but she's a little bit more likable than Lydia Tarr for a multitude of reasons. Lydia Tarr is a more complex character who's, like, a bit more challenging to play. I think the, the only other actress I could think of who could pull that off is maybe Isabel Huppert. Because if you watch something like The Piano Teacher, you could like see her playing someone like Lydia Tarr. You can see her playing like kind of a conniving, but also kind of troubled character. Yeah. And who's, and you can see like both of them are like always super stoic mm-hmm. in their demeanor. And I think uh, another thing I'm going to mention kind about Tarr is. The supporting characters in Tar are not very strong, whereas in Everything Everywhere, you got a lot of it's good performances coming out. Yeah, for me, uh, Kate Blanchett would probably is probably the best performance out of all these. But Michelle Yeoh would have to be my personal choice because, first of all, this is going to be a, a milestone. People will be cheering when this happens. I don't think people will be cheering as much for Kate Blanchett. When That's this actually happens. true. I don't think Kate Blanchett like will get as much of like that huge finale storyline that Michelle Yeoh because will have. Michelle Yeoh, she, if she wins, first of all, she's the first Asian woman to be nominated in yep. a lead actress category. Let's go. Let's go. Respect. And. If she wins, she will be the first Asian woman to win, I think, an Oscar period for acting. Minari, Minari for supporting. Well, okay, Yu Jung Yoon, I forgot about her. But for lead, I don't think there's been no, an Asian lead, actress that I won. Think, I think also uh, Highness Noor for Killing Fields won in 1984 for supporting, which was a which was a damn good choice if you oh, actually yeah? see that I've movie. Not, I've not seen that. So, But you're, you're basically saying that the storyline here is Michelle Yeoh. I think the better storyline here is Michelle Yeoh. I even That's had a subtle uh, drama. I even had certain uh, friends that they're into movies. They told me Tar was too slow, and I was like, "I, I mean, that's." That's a valid argument. It's methodically slow, but it you is. have to admit, Kate Blanchett bodies that role. This Let's is the category best director, or as Riz Ahmed would like to call it, "My Year of Dicks." He actually because did say all... that. He that is a quote from Riz Ahmed, guys. In case anyone was wondering. Yep, it is my year of dicks. Because what do all these nominees have in common? You'll wait and see. Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inisherin. Let's go. Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans. Todd Field for Tar. 
Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. Big which surprise. Was a surprise. Big surprise. What do these all have in common? It hint hint. It revolves around their genitals. But speaking on that, what would you have done? They all instead? have dicks. Who would you have done instead? They're all Connor? male. Who who's getting out of there? Who are you putting in? I would swap out Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness for Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Fair. You loved that movie. You, I did. I I would probably put Sarah Pauly in instead of Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness, and Sarah Pauly obviously for Women Talking. Um, yes. I thought Not it was a pretty single well woman nominated. Yeah. I'm pissed. I'm gonna do my personal pick is Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inisherin. I told I loved really it. loved that movie. Yeah. It's my favorite movie of the year. Um, but what I think is actually gonna win is the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Same. Once. Personal, personal pick Daniels prediction Daniels because honestly. I'll be honest, like, with Martin McDonough, not to throw him under the bus or anything, but that wasn't, like, a super, like, visionary, like, a tour. Well, I guess, like, kind of, but not. Do you think it was, like, more the writer's movie than a director's movie? That's a a fair argument. Like, all of these are probably, like, like direct, like, movies you kind of go to for the director because, like, these, Spielberg, Todd Field especially, like, Ruben Oslin, like, they're creating these, like, worlds. And a lot, most of these are all writer-directors, so they're auteurs. My my little, like, my little proponent for Martin McDonough winning would be it's really hard to balance the tonality of that movie. It it's, is. It's extremely dark, and there's a comedy in it. Uh, you can argue Triangle of Sadness tries to do that, but it's more on the comedy side than yeah. the darker side. Um, is Steven Spielberg a threat, dude, or no? I think he just he d- won the globe. He won the globe. That's what I'm thinking, though. They might give but it to him again. I think we'll only know for sure who's gonna win when we- when DGA is announced. Really? Yeah, because those are the industry people. Those so, the so if the Daniels win the DGA, it's it's a lock for you. Easily. Gotcha. And I think that well, the thing is, like everything we're all on, like if we're talking like direction, like or sheer originality, that takes the cake. Uh, originality. That's, it's hard to it's hard to deny a vision. Like, even, like, older Academy voters who might not care about the movie, like, that's a vision. They know. Yeah. I, I think they even admit that. Yeah. Everything Everywhere seems to be performing better in general than with the branches. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that, take. Yeah, because some of the branches, they have their own elitism there. And because the movie's so original, it's hard for them to to swallow, like, and how it's original it's kind of it wacky and, and yeah, it's, kind of off the wall. That, that Off the wall. See, that's why I don't think it's like as great of a film as like everyone's putting it out to be but i do think it's a good movie but speaking of that might as well just go right into it the oscar nominees for best picture here we go i'm gonna do five of them just list them off and then you're gonna do the next five sound good all right for the best picture nominees we have all quiet on the western front avatar the way of water the banshees of Sharon, elvis everything everywhere all at once the Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and the next two are the big surprises. Triangle of Sadness. Wow. And Women Talking. Let's go. I'm I'm happy. Women Talking got in there. Despite was... even with that, with no acting nominations and with only one other nomination. I know. That but I'm I'm glad. I'm glad they put it yeah. in there. Cuz I was a little bit worried uh yeah, Women Talking was not going to get in because like they were just like no other categories they were nominating it for. 
Yeah. But let, let's talk about it. What's your personal pick? What, who do you think is going to win? Personal pick and prediction, it's both. Everything ever all at once. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a threat. That movie's a threat. I think it will. Winning, that winning will cause, like, a parasite-like moment where everyone, everything like, ever all at once. moment you'll have to watch where, like, people's reactions to, like, and the Oscar goes to everything ever all at once. Everybody's just gonna be like, you think it's gonna be like kind of like what happened with Parasite, where everyone's just like cheering. Film Twitter will be rejoicing. And something to know: everything, everywhere, all at once is leading in nominations with eleven in this in this Oscars. It's I think it's winning. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold, dude. I'm gonna say the Banshees of Inisherin for both my personal pick and what's gonna win. Let's just admit it. It's between the Banshees of Inisherin and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Maybe you can argue the Fablemans might sneak in there. But it's not happening. I don't Spielberg think so. Spielberg already either. has a Best Picture win. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think it's the stronger film, to be honest. Out of those other two, um, the okay. closest other threat would be Tar, but that's not happening. It's too slow. It's too slow. It's not accessible enough. As much as I love Banshees of Inisherin, when I saw that film, I was like, that does not strike me as an Academy Award winner for Best Picture. I was like, I don't think it's crowd-pleasing enough. I don't think it's quite mainstream enough. I I was just like, I was just like, nothing against the film itself, but I, I love the film probably not as much as you did, but I was just like, I think people will feel cold after seeing this film. You're not wrong, but I... And I, I don't think mainstream audiences will really warm up to that like they did with Everything Everywhere. That's true. I don't think it's actually as mainstream, but I think uh, the Oscar voters will see that in terms of, like, the craftsmanship of making a movie, it's hard to it's hard to say that The Banshees of Anna Sharon is not one of the best-crafted films of the It this is. Year. There's no strong narrative around it. It's I, just... I, would, I would say that the narrative would be that the movie is about isolationism and, like... Kind of, what what do I do it's with my like time? Nomadland one. What do I do with my time if like I know it's kind of fleeting? And I think that's something people have felt like, especially after the pandemic. So I think if it were to win, it's going to be hitting that kind of chord. Um, but okay, here's your time. Here's your moment, Connor. Why is everything, everywhere, all at once going to win? This is one of my like most. First of all, it was my favorite film of the year. My favorite film of the decade so far. Wow. Bold take. I don't think it's even that bold. I, no, I respect it. I, res- was... I mean, Letterboxd would agree with you. That's for sure. It's a family drama. It's an immigrant story. So it's, it's a very socially important film. It's going to have cultural significance. It already has cultural significance. I don't think I'll think of 2022 as being the year of Banshees of Inisherin. and I'll think of it as being the year of everything everywhere. The year that film ended up changing filmmaking forever. I mean, I have to admit, there's a lot of people posting about everything everywhere on their Instagrams, and they don't even watch movies. So yeah. it's made a it's made a dent in some cultural yeah. impact. Um, my, I think what's going to hold that film back from winning is it's a little bit incohesive compared to the Banshees of Inisherin. It's It's jumpy. It's a little bit... You know, it's more it's original. Wacky. It's more original, but it it's so wacky. Fingers. It is so wacky compared to the Banshees of Anna Sharon, which is a grounded uh, drama with like you know some twists and turns, but not nearly as much, obviously. But I think the I think the cohesion of Banshees is gonna win. It's not strong enough a narrative, and also everything everywhere all at once. 
People fucking love that movie. They love it. I, they they love I it. I don't think last year and in 2020, I don't think people were as passionate about the films that were getting nominated. I don't think you, I don't think like mainstream audiences would have heard of a lot of those films. But no. with everything everywhere, it's made a splash. It is a, I think it will stand the test of time and will influence, it's already influencing modern filmmaking. We haven't had a standout movie like that. I, I don't think since that everyone everyone universally loves since 2019 with parasite right with parasite yeah. and portrait of a young fire and marriage story and yeah the the year to end all years yeah honestly i think this oscar race is the best since it's been since 2019 i think this yeah, is yeah uh... i wouldn't be opposed to either winning i don't i don't think like i think old white guys can still love banshees of Sharon. they're probably not going to be as warmed up to everything everywhere that's something to note, though. A lot of a lot of Academy voters, voters are old, and what are they? They're also white. white, right? Yeah, and and really, it feels like everything everywhere is kind of our generation's big bang because we all relate to the mental illness and nihilism of the Stephanie Shu character, and we relate to her estrangement from her parents, and and also the, she's, the and not able to control. Clear. You can't control like certain things about life, you know. Especially with your family. And I think that that movie definitely hits a chord with that. I don't think as many people are going to want to see Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and, and Barry Keoghan and Carrie Condon on stage as they will want to see Michelle Yeoh, Short Round, Jamie Lee Curtis, Stephanie Hsu, James Hong. It's got the storyline, but I'm going to say made, this. And it made everybody cry. I, I'm, I'm okay seeing chord. Barry Keoghan on an Oscar stage. That'd be dope. Really I know, dumb. but I'm remember when Coda won. The reason, the real reason why that won is because people loved seeing the mostly deaf cast come up on stage and support the deaf community and inviting all the audience to do the love sign and the clapping sign and sign language. The storyline's there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna counter that. But I, I, I think the better film is Banshees for me. For me, and valid, valid. for the Academy voters, but. It's gonna be a good race, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna be very excited for this Oscars because I will be. It's a very strong year. And here, and last but not least, here's the rip list: all the films that got completely goose egged. Yes, sir. Zero nominations. Yes, sir. Decision to leave. Zero nominations. Till zero nominations. The Woman King. Zero nominations. Rip. X and Pearl, zero nominations. Not Red. even for makeup. Red. Not even for Mia Goth. Mia Goth. Mia Goth. The Northman. The Menu. I'm okay with that. Mooney Age Daydream, snubbed in documentary. Snubbed. That's a big um, snub. David Bowie documentary, highly recommend if anyone is interested in nope. David Bowie. Crimes of the Future, didn't even get a makeup. Cha-Cha Real Smooth, obviously that wasn't going to happen. Small indie. Bros, Bones and All. Dude. Snub. Snub. I even would have. I even would have put that's it in best picture. That's this year's hereditary. I would have put it in best picture, dude. And that's it. That is it. All right, guys. See y'all in the Oscar night. And what do we have for the next episode? Do you want me to? You want me to give the audience the scoop, or you want to give them the scoop? Give them the scoop. For the next episode, we have an Infinity Pool review. Are you excited for that, Connor? Hell yeah. Who's James it starring? Jamesy. Who's it starring? Who's Infinity Pool starring? Mia Goth and Alexander Skarsgård. Directed by? Brandon Cronenberg, son wow. of David. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about modern horror and the state of the horror genre in general. See you next time, folks. <laughs>